Good morning, church. Our Bible reading for today is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14 to 26. This can be found in our church Bible in 1196. I read, Keep reminding God's people of these things. One then, before God against quarreling about words, it is of no value and holy ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will be spread like grand grain. Among them are Hamanaeus and Philippus, who have departed from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the fate of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stand firm, sealed with his inscription. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some have for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instrument for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. Flee the devil desire of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrel. And the Lord's servants must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to knowledge of the truth, and they will come to their sense and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them from captive to do his will. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. I'm Chris Webb, uh, one of the ministers here. And um, do we have any South Africans here this morning? Could the duty manager escort them out, please? That was excruciating yesterday, wasn't it? <laughs> Knocked out of two World Cups in one day. That was shocking. Okay, well, the, the title of the message today is How to Be Useful to the Master. And I think Paul, who writes this letter to Timothy, is the ideal person to talk about that. He's writing from a cell in Rome, and his life is about to come to an end. His court case is not going well he knows that it's going to result in execution. But he has been useful all his life. He's shared the gospel. He started churches all over Europe and Turkey and Syria. And all of us here owe a huge debt to the writer of this letter. You know, without him, we would not be here. He's been really useful to the master. But now he's right at the end of his life. These are his last written words. And he's writing a very personal letter to Timothy, a young pastor in Ephesus, whom he calls his son. He wants to hand over the baton like an athlete in a relay race to Timothy. And he's got some pretty urgent things to say, rather like a father to his son uh, as he's about to die. And he wants Timothy to be useful to the master just as he has been. And so I think there are three things he urges Timothy to do. Timothy, I want you to teach faithfully, I want you to live purely, and I want you to instruct people that oppose you gently. 
Now, Paul is the master of the word picture. Last week, we had a soldier, we had an athlete, and we had a farmer. And this week, we've got a workman, we've got a house full of utensils, some plates, some cooking utensils, some bedpans maybe, noble and ignoble instruments. And then we've got a servant who's gently reasoning with those who are opposing him. But the amazing thing, folks, is that every single one of us here can be useful to the master. This isn't for full-time paid Christian workers. This is for all of us. The master, of course, is Jesus, the Lord. And this Lord, Jesus, he wants all of us to flourish. He wants all of us to be able to use our gifts in his kingdom, and we can be useful right where we are tomorrow morning in our workplaces or in our hobbies, in our vocations, what some people call our front lines. So we're going to speak about that today. But there are three things, I think, in this text uh, that Paul is urging. The first one I'm actually going to call stick firmly. This is in verses 14 to 19. So the first verse we're looking at today, 14, says... Keep reminding God's people of these things. And I think he's referring to the things that he's already talked about. So I think he's quoted an early hymn in the verses before. Uh, You see there in verse 12, it says, If we endure, we'll also reign with him. If we disown him, he'll, he'll also disown us. If we're faithful, if we're faithless, he remains faithful. And so you see in those verses that Paul is urging Timothy to remind the church to keep going. Don't fall away. Fall away from what? From the gospel. We, we keep having this word evangelion, gospel, coming up over and over in this letter. My gospel, he says in verse 8. And the aspect of the gospel that Paul is particularly mindful of and emphasizing in this letter is that Jesus is Lord over death. Jesus is Lord over death. That's how Andrew Page would do it. Now, if you think about it, either death is Lord or Jesus is Lord. I've got three boys, and um, they play a lot of computer games. And in the computer games, there's these shoot-up games where you just have to shoot everybody... And then at the end, at the end of the level, there's like a boss man. And you have to shoot the boss man. And at the end of each level, the boss man gets more and more difficult to overcome. By level 12, he's like nuclear-powered boss man. And folks, death is our boss man. We cannot overcome death. But the claim of the gospel that Paul is particularly emphasizing in this letter is that Jesus is Lord over this boss man, death. Jesus has overcome death. Death and decay in our world are, as the children were learning in the Bible overview, the result of human beings turning their backs on God, sin. But Jesus has defeated the power of decay and death through the cross, and through the resurrection. And 
So this is what Paul is saying. Keep reminding people of this, Timothy. It's really, really important. Keep reminding people that Jesus is Lord over death. And folks, this applies to all of us. We face decay and death in our lives. It, the news has been laying heavily on me this week uh, and the last few weeks, watching suffering and decay and death and it's going to get worse and worse and worse. I mean, tens of thousands of people are going to die in the Middle East, and it's horrible. But the message of the gospel and of the Bible is that violence and decay and death do not have the final say. I love that song we sing, you have the final say. Jesus has the final say in our world. Our world is not meant to be a place of decay and death and tribalism and violence. That's what human beings have made it. We're made to flourish. And one day the world will flourish again when Jesus comes back. This time last year also my, my dad, my stepdad died two days apart. And suffering and death are the experience of all of us. Your, your work colleagues will experience it. Your friends will experience it. But folks, to have hope in this hopeless world that's full of decay and death and suffering, to have hope in Jesus is a massive witness. And if you have this hope, you will be useful to the master. So in this passage, Paul keeps highlighting some positives and some negatives. So positively says, remind them of these things, that Jesus is Lord over death. And he says, I want you to teach faithfully, but I want you to avoid quarreling. Please keep the main thing the main thing, Timothy. Your human beings love to quarrel. Uh, we've always formed tribes. We've always quarreled over words. But Timothy, if you want to be useful to the master, keep the main thing the main thing. Don't quarrel. There was a sign in the 1980s in a university student union. The Apathy Society will not be meeting this month. It can't be bothered. And in this passage, Paul counters both apathy and the opposite, which is quarreling about everything, that everything matters, fighting over every single detail. No, Paul says, look, don't quarrel, but... 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. So folks, the Christian who wants to be useful to the master does need to stick closely to Scripture. And when, when Paul talks about Scripture, he's referring to the Old Testament, the unified story that points to Jesus. So, folks, let's learn the plot line of Scripture, like the, like the children are learning. But let's learn it in more detail. Let's learn the hyperlinks. Be constantly in the Bible. Memorize the Bible. Challenge for me because I've got a memory like a sieve. You know, lost property is nearly full of my stuff. I, it's taken me 49 years to realize I'm not a small detail guy, I'm a big picture guy. But I've memorized, I have memorized the whole of the first chapter of 2 Timothy. I've done it. So you can do it. And I, I've, been, I've been shy, I've been a grumpy, horrible person the last few weeks. And I've thought, Chris Webb, 
you need to, you need to stick closely to Scripture, and that's why I've been trying to, to memorize it. The next negative in verses 16 to 19 is that Paul says, look, please avoid godless chatter. It's astonishing how easily the good news of Jesus gets moralized or lensed. You know, if you put on blue glasses, everything you see is blue. That's, it's, it's lensed. And these, these people, Hymenaeus and Philetus, they saw everything through a lens that completely undermined the gospel. They were telling people, hey, folks, the, the resurrection has happened. We're, we're in resurrection right now. You can do anything. You've got freedom. And so they were leading people into godlessness and sucking the life and joy out of the gospel. Paul says their teaching spreading like gangrene. Their dangerous, sugar-coated, gangrenous teaching was sucking the life and the joy out of the, this fellowship in Ephesus. Gangrene is an open sore that eats away at the flesh, and their teaching was an open sore eating away at the gospel. Because when you deny the resurrection, folks, you're not a Christian. <laughs> no, Christ, no Christian can not believe that Jesus is risen. The foundations are taken away. And so in verse 19, Paul says, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, and then he quotes. Do you know where he quotes from? He quotes from Numbers 19, uh, 16, which is one of the scariest stories in the Old Testament, where the ground opened up and swallowed loads of people who were false teachers, Koran and Dathan and Abiram. The Lord knows who are his is a quotation from that chapter, the, the, the words of Moses to those rebellious false teachers before the ground opened up and swallowed them. And the next quotation, uh, verse 19, everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn from wickedness is drawn from lots of places in the Old Testament. But the point is, to be useful to the master, we need to stick to the gospel that Jesus is Lord over death. And one day we're all going to rise, and one day we're all going to face a judgment, which is what the scriptures tell us. So to be useful to the master, we need to hold to these truths as our solid foundation. And when you do hold to these truths, and when you demonstrate them and articulate them at the right time, you will stand out, and you will be useful to the master. The second uh, way we can be useful to the master is to live purely. That's verses 20 to 22. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, where you, you serve beautiful things, but also of wood and clay. There's bedpans and things like that. Some are for noble purposes, some for ignoble. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy and useful to the master, prepared to do any good work. So a large house is often used as Paul's metaphor for the church. We are God's household. A Christian community contains both special and, and some not-so-special utensils. Uh, Jesus says, there are wheat and there are tares growing together. 
There are genuine believers and there are hypocrites. The church is full of hypocrites. Yes, of course it is. In a great house, some utensils are like this. But we need to cleanse ourselves. We need to have a holy inner life to be useful to the master. That means that we're constantly repenting and believing. Uh, I think in this context, the cleansing refers to cleansing out false teaching and false teachers, but also cleansing out the dirty areas of our lives because verse 22, flee the evil desires of youth. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue positively faith, love, and peace along with all those who call on the Lord. Flee brings to mind how Joseph fled from Potiphar's wife as she clutched his robe. First uh, Corinthians six eighteen. flee sexual immorality. Get rid of stuff that triggers unhelpful sexual thoughts and urges. Flee the evil desires of youth. What do you think those are? I was trying to think. The evil desires of youth. Maybe there's over-competitiveness, the love of winning an argument, seeing things really black and white. When I was younger, I saw everything black and white. Intolerable, I must have been at times. How about you? Do you love to wade in on social media? Do you love to have the, the, the last word and win an argument? To be useful to the master, says Paul, well, you need to be rooting out arrogance in your life and repenting with the help of the Holy Spirit. And also then positively pursuing those three things, faith, love, and peace. Living purely isn't just about getting rid of stuff, it's pursuing these qualities as well. Pursuing faith, hope, and love, faith, hope, faith, love, and peace along with others who are doing the same thing. That's why it is important to be in Christian community, to, to pursue faith, love, and peace with, with others. If you want to be useful to the master, root yourself in a community of people who are pursuing faith, love, and peace. The third thing that Paul wants Timothy to do to be useful to the master is challenge people gently. We see that in verses 24 to 26. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed. The fundamental characteristic of a servant who's useful is gentleness. Are you known for your gentleness at work? Some of the toughest situations at work, isn't it, are where we need to correct somebody. Maybe there's a safeguarding issue. Maybe somebody is behaving in a way that just needs to be addressed. There needs to be a crucial conversation. How do I do it? Well, I see here that I need to be kind to everyone, not resentful, able to teach. That would be the bit that I was a bit rubbish at as a teacher. So as a school teacher for eight years, when I had to correct students, I went out to sort of address behavior. In Thailand, our next-door next neighbor was a drug dealer supplying marijuana to, to all the students. Um, if I'd known that, maybe I would have prayed, verse 26, that God would grant them repentance and that they would come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil. 
Um, but Timothy needed to have several crucial conversations with people who were spreading dangerous doctrines. Maybe you've got a tricky conversation to have at work this week. In having these conversations, you can be useful to the master if you're gentle, if you're not resentful, if you're kind, if you're able to, to instruct, and if you're praying that God would lead people to repentance. That might be in the NHS this week. It might be with your own children at home this week. It might be in the business you work in this week. And our model, of course, is the master, Jesus. How kind and how gentle he was to those struggling with sin. Lady about to be stoned. Where are your condemners? They're gone. Yeah, I don't condemn you either, but, but don't sin anymore. How gentle the Father is with us, not counting our sins against us. Paul writes in Romans, it's the kindness of God that brought you to repentance. So who wants to be useful to the master this week? Sometimes to be useful, I've learned we need to get out of the way. That's, that's really hard. God's taught me that over the years. Sometimes just get out the way. But to be useful, Timothy is instructed to do these three things. Stick closely to the gospel and to the scripture. Live purely and instruct people gently. A couple of weeks ago, I was feeling particularly useless. Useless as a dad, husband, pastor. Meetings got cancelled. I felt I haven't explained the gospel to, to anyone, and I, I just prayed, Lord, help me to be useful. I felt pretty low, and um, the big breakfast needed some volunteers, so, uh, so I, I helped. I got some chicken from Nando's for breakfast, and, um, oh, and I was chatting with the guy uh, going to Nando's about the gospel, and then the woman in Nando's was lovely, and, and then Sanjay said, why don't you speak to the, speak to the guys, 60, 60 people for breakfast, I hadn't prepared anything, but uh, God just gave me something to say, and he answered my prayer, just felt uh, useful, and um, so we can pray that prayer, Lord, please help me to be useful where I am uh, this week. It's unusual in Paul's writing to have so many imperatives. You know what an imperative is? Do this or don't do this. Um, let me remind you of some of the imperatives in these verses as we just bow our heads. I'll read them and I'd like you to ask the Lord, which one of these do you want me to really think about now? Be diligent to handle the Bible well. Don't quarrel. Avoid stupid arguments. Purify yourself to be useful to the master. Don't be resentful. Flee the evil desires of youth. Gently instruct those who oppose you.